Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you'll be notified whenever I drop any new content. Welcome, and thanks for being here. Uh, this week, another collaboration with Rob, sports card therapist. Uh, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, I hope you really enjoy it. Without further ado, here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the Sports Card Therapist and Sports Card Lessons. I'm Rob, your Sports Card Therapist. I have Ken with me from Sports Card Lessons. If you're watching on YouTube, you will see his Chiefs Stadium. It's Arrowhead Stadium in the background. It looks like he's up in the nosebleeds, like taking a selfie. Ken, how you doing, my man? And I am doing well. And 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 you and you know really what this is all about? I acquired tickets last night for the Patriots Chiefs game. It's going to be in Foxborough, but I really didn't want to put the Foxborough Stadium up here. So I'm putting the Chiefs up here. No, let's go, man. That's awesome. And uh, and I tell you what, so, you know, again, you know, this is another collab rep episode between, uh, you know, therapists and lessons. Love these collab episodes. Love being able to sit down, chop it up with you, talk. Um, we were just going to basically do a normal recording and then post it afterward. And right before we started recording, I said to Ken, I said, hey, do you want to go live? Like, I feel like we don't go live anymore on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, our trajectory as far as content has been very similar, whereas we've both really built the foundation for like our content through podcast. So when it comes to YouTube, when it comes to video, I'll be the first to admit, I really have not taken much time. I really don't pay any attention to my YouTube channel. Um, as terrible as that sounds, that doesn't mean that I don't pay attention to what people, you know, what the people that consume this content think or say or do. But like, I just, for me, podcast is everything. So I think that's why on my end, there's so much inconsistency with YouTube. And I don't know about you. I mean, I don't think you've ever gone live without me being a part of it, right? Like you just don't go live. No, I don't go live. And, you know, I always would love to build my YouTube channel, but there's not that a lot I do on here, but talk to the camera. Like, mo you know, mo I'm sitting here doing a podcast version, you know, talking to the camera. So, and most people I know, they, they turn it on, they will put it on the YouTube, right? And then they, then they, they listen to it because I, I mean, I wouldn't want to watch me for half an hour or 45 minutes if, if, if I wasn't showing you anything. Right. So, you know, that's, that's really kind of what it comes down to. No, definitely. And, I, you know, because I consume so much of my content uh, through podcasts, there's people that feel the equal and exact same way about YouTube. They're like, I, I don't listen to podcasts. I'm not a podcast person. I put on YouTube and even people that don't sit there and watch the YouTube videos per se, they still will put on YouTube in the car. Right. They'll put on YouTube and they'll put their phone down mm -hmm. or they'll have, you know, their GPS or ways going through the phone. So it's not like they're watching the video while driving, but they still listen to YouTube. So mm -hmm. there's, you know, I think there's and, and the audience is just bigger on YouTube as well. But 
for me, I'm just so loyal to the podcast, the listener base. Um, but I, I do, I would like to see myself getting paying more attention to YouTube because I have, you know, we both have a lot of friends in the YouTube space, you know, um, sports car dad being one of them, you know, just, just off the top of my head, but you know, and, uh, cousins are always doing their Wednesday night lives and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, what does it do? It creates great interaction, you know? So that's, that, that's what's, you know, probably the best part about YouTube and what we do is we're not just when we're doing this now, we're talking to each other, but we've got a lot of comments coming in on the, on the screen too. So we can, you know, all, you know, interact, uh, you know, with the, with the people who are out there watching as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we have some comments. Jake and on his b-ball cards, what is up? He says, what's up, fellas? Mookie Chilson says, I'm just glad Ken escaped the Headless Horseman. I love the background, Ken. So the Headless Horseman, is that like the Chiefs mascot? No, no, no. That was the one I was doing from, uh, you know. Oh, that was down there. Yeah, 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 Sleepy yeah. Hollow. Yeah. yeah, the Sleepy Hollow. And now, now we're here at the at the stadium. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome, man. And, and listen, I know both of us, we really like our content to be, you know, evergreen, right? So we're not just talking about like hobby news and, and shout out to the people that cover the hobby news, because I love consuming that content personally. But, um, but let's talk about Halloween for a sec, man. I, I tell you, having kids, I, I've fallen in love with the holiday of Halloween again. And, that was your background and I love that background. So when you and I did a couple collab episodes, I love looking at that Halloween background. Yeah. I, uh, probably one of my favorite and it's really not a holiday, right? But one of my favorite holidays of the year has always has been love Halloween. Um, loved it with my, you know, when I was a kid, loved it with, with my own kids. Like, you know, we had, I had stories from when I was a kid, my kids have stories. They talk about, you know, me out there pushing them like, no, we still got three more neighborhoods to go. You know, there's no stop now, you know, like that type of thing. And, and this is my first year in this new neighborhood here that I, it's not going to be any kids coming around. I don't think to the, you know, in, in where I live now. So this is going to be my first year and I hand out Halloween. I might, might have to go to your house, Rob, will you take your daughter out and I'll, I'll cover the front door and hand the candy out because uh, I got to do something on Halloween. Uh, that'd be awesome, man. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, so, so, and we'll definitely get the cards, please guys don't tune out. We will definitely get to the car talk, but um, I have been, so every night, to go to sleep i have to put on a movie and it's usually the same movie on repeat and my wife wants to like kill me so every night i have to put on like the same movie and as soon as i fall asleep she'll change it and put on the food network or something but um for the last year i've put on um uh, oh my god why am i drawing such a blank the quentin tarantino movie that's on netflix all the time the hateful eight so I put on the hateful eight like clockwork. I listened to the first 10 minutes of it, fall asleep. Now what my movie has been for the last like six weeks is uh Hubie Halloween, the Adam Sandler movie. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh I haven't. man. Yeah. such an incredible movie, man. You got to watch it. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's that typical Sandler humor, you know, that it's like, I, I don't understand how some people can watch it and not get such a kick out of it. 
Well, it's a lot of that Saturday Night Live, and I know exactly what you're saying. It's that dry humor, and if you if you like it, I mean, it's it's hysterical. And all his movies, I love all his movies, and I could sit and watch them, you know. And and then other people come in the room and they'd be like, "Oh, I don't get it. This movie's so dumb." And I'm like, "No, it's not. I mean, just listen. I mean, you really have to get that dry humor in order to really enjoy Adam Sandler in those movies." Yeah, yeah, and. I don't even know. Is, is it considered dry humor? When I think of dry humor, I think of uh, uh, what's what's the really tall guy's name from Wedding Crashers. That's who I think of when I think of dry humor. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Like when I think of Adam Sandler, I think of like juvenile humor. Yeah, like 50 first dates, like like yeah. just movies like I mean I love that. I just love that little uh, you know, all the yeah. little and 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 you know what? If I was this is one of those things and I'll tell you. You watch something and it's so funny and then you go want to go and repeat it to somebody, right? And you start repeating it and they're looking at you like what are you doing? And and it's not funny at all. And you realize you catch yourself you're saying it and you know you're not funny either. So it really it takes a particular person to be able to pull it off and really make it funny so this is the beauty of going live i could not come up with the name and jake 90s b-ball cards said vince vaughn that's who it is vince vaughn so when i think of like dry and i could be wrong i don't know if what the definition of dry humor is but when i think of it i think of vince vaughn but but i digress um yes so it sounds like you and i once again, have a ton of common, man. And uh, and I'm going to miss you on November 11th, Saturday. You're actually going to be down in the Carolinas visiting your daughter. But I'm going to be set up at the Laz show. This is the first time I've set up. I think this is the first time I've set up since the National. So I'm going to be at the Laz show in Secaucus, New Jersey. And you know who I'm setting up with? I do know. Cousins Collectibles, baby. I'm setting up with oz the people's mailman and i'm setting up with the architect tony i cannot wait to set up with them it's going to be a great freaking time tony came up last year at one point and set up with you and i in new jersey and now that you're not going to be there he's hitting his tag team partner hanging off the uh, the turnbuckle tagged him in oz (laughs) is coming in yeah yeah and I will be away. I will be in North Carolina. I will be seeing the Eagles that weekend. And there's also uh, a show in North Carolina that I'm going to be attending uh, uh, on Saturday down there. So that same Saturday, you're up there. I'm going to be at a show down there. I'm going to I'm going to miss the tag team. I'm going to miss tapping everybody in and out. But uh, I, I know you guys are going to hold it down. And it's going to be a great show. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. And when you say you're going to see the Eagles, you're going to be seeing the band, not the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, yes, I know, I know you, and neither of us would pay a dollar to see the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles live. So, uh, so unless they were playing more. the Chiefs, yes, absolutely. Um, so we have Ziggy in the chat. What is up, Ziggy? He says, "Really enjoy the live tonight, and I applaud your focus on podcasts. Thank you very much for that, Ziggy." Uh, Jake says, "I wish I could make it down to see that trio. I appreciate that." um jake says we need to see the cousins crew at the springfield show soon i completely completely agree um and then we have orlando in the house of collector's dream says awesome you guys will be together i'll be at the west palm beach show on 11 11 so um perfect perfect so yeah let's let's jump into it man so i know that with this hobby is like it feels like it's like the ocean 
Like, I just feel like everything is constantly moving. Everything's always in motion. Things get filtered out. And sometimes the junk, like, I feel like the ocean has an incredible way of, right, just kind of like moving around and somehow getting all the junk to eventually go in one spot. But junk is continuously getting dumped into the hobby, whether if it's content, whether if it's people, whether if it's cards that are terrible, whether if it's, uh, you know, reprints of one of ones that are coming out, you know, shout out to Dan, the card man for, um, you know, really being all over that with some of these super fractors, like two of them popping up, three of them popping up when they're supposed to be one of one. Um, and you know, what, what's the name of that bit? What do they call that big garbage patch in the middle of the ocean? That's the size of Texas. I, I, I don't know, but I'm sure Jake is going to pop it right up on the screen any moment. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So there's this huge garbage uh, patch. And, and sometimes I feel like that can be the hobby, but but I digress. So with everything that's moving, with everything that's constantly going on, where are you at right now? What are you collecting? Are you still focused on women's soccer? Because I know that women's soccer was hot last year because of the World Cup and everything like that, right? And it's cooled down big time now. And that's when you were really like getting fired up about women's soccer. So in my head, I was like, is this like, is he falling in love with it, but not realizing he'll probably fall out of love with it when the hype dies down? Or are you still like riding that wave and probably getting cards at incredible prices now? Yeah, I'm I'm riding that wave. I'm I'm way up on top right now. Um, I'm cards that were just you know I, I'm collecting Trinity Rodman mostly. Uh, I have other players. You know, I keep picking up you know, U.S. players like Sophia Smith, uh, Alyssa Thompson, but but mostly, you know, Trinity Rodman and cards that were just out of my reach, you know, that I just, there's no way, you know, six, eight months ago, a year ago, I could afford. Now all of a sudden are coming up, you know, people are messaging all of a sudden they're re-messaging me back saying, Hey, are you interested in this card? I mean, they were holding these cards and they see what the market's doing and they're getting scared. They're getting scared that they're, there's card that they thought was worth this much money. And now the price is going down. Uh, why am I excited? I mean, I'm picking up cards that are, there's less than 25 of these or less than 30 and they're rookie cards. And these are cards that don't come for sale, come up for sale often at all. And I'm able to get those. That's just completely exciting to me. So let me ask you something and do not lie. When was the last time you watched a female soccer game professional? Uh, um, two weeks ago. See, so, well, they're just, they're just at the end of the season now. But yeah, I ah, so you rock. you're not you're not only collecting the cards, but you're actually I'm actually watching the game Saturday night. I got the barbecue going. I got the TV out there because they all play Saturday night. I have the TV out there. I'm watching the games. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, wow. I gotta be. I gotta. If I'm doing this, I gotta be in this, right? Listen, and I agree. I yeah. completely agree. But I, I'm just. I did not know you were you were at that level of consuming women's soccer games. Yeah. On top yeah. of it. Yep, absolutely. And now, I mean, we had World Cup last summer, and now we're going to have the Olympics this summer. So even though, like, the the hype had all dropped down, right, there's a lot of, you know, uh, product that's just being released right now from last year's World Cup. And now we're going to have the Olympics coming up, you know, this summer. And, I mean, I think that hype is going to go right back up again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so Ziggy asks a question in this chat right here, and he says, do you think 
this was the first year of multiple one of ones, or maybe the first year it was so bad in public. Like, why do we trust tops? No one audits the cards. So, um, I got to be honest, man, I'm not sure, but I can't imagine this is the first year that there's been mistakes with cards and that quality control is going down. Now, I think we're probably seeing a lot of corners being cut. I mean, I'm seeing corners being cut everywhere, right? I, I had an issue with my car in the car dealership over the last two months that I've told you about, Ken, and it's like, and it really just feels like they're really cutting corners. It feels like inflation has continued to be on the rise. Wages have not caught up with any of that and there was this false like kind of injection of money into the economy because of stimulus checks and whatnot right so so certain companies especially like you know sports card companies got a huge injection of money and they started hiring like crazy and over the last 18 months now we've seen a, a massive decline just in prices and people grading cards like all this stuff right so i think that there's definitely corners being cut because a lot of layoffs probably have continued to happen across the board but at the same time i don't think this is probably the first year i think that now that there's more hobby watchdogs if that's what you call them some people like being called that some people don't but when you have guys that are really kind of digging into some of these companies and holding them accountable um then i think yeah i think that that is a can't imagine it's the first time it's happened do do you think though and and this is kind of where my mind goes with this so I talked about getting this Trinity Rodman. It was a relic. Her first year, the first relic is player worn, you know, shorts that they cut up and they put in these cards, right? So they, their cards were numbered to 10 and then numbered to a hundred. So the, I have, I got, I purchased one that was numbered to a hundred and it was a PSA 10. And the guy I got it from, I said, wow, this is unbelievable that this card got a 10. He said, this card showed up. I got it in a break. They got sent to me. It showed up. It was all banged up. I contacted Parkside. They said, send it back. Within two weeks, the card showed up, same number, number to 100. And it looks so great. He's like, I, I, I got to send this to PSA. And it came back a 10, right? So when I so PSA duplicated or I mean uh, tops or, or Panini duplicated the same exact so, card that they had so, already printed. So when I ask people this question, a lot of people say to me that PSA makes duplicates of a lot of these cards and not just, PSA Panini. No, no, I'm saying I'm um, not PSA. No, like yeah, yeah Panini, Panini. I know Panini. I messed up first. That probably yeah, triggered yeah. you to mess like up. Like Panini, any of these companies, they make duplicates of these cards. So what's from stopping an employee? From being like, wow, I could grab a Mahomes 101 out of the out of the locker over there, or I could put it on the printing thing and put it on 101 and then walk out the front door with it, you know, put it in my backpack. Like, like these are the things I think. Like, I, I can't imagine in today's day and age when everything's computerized that you put a print run in there and you computerize it and say you're going to make a 101, a one of, you know, up to five, up to 10, up to 25, up to 99, whatever you're doing. And it prints all those cards out. At what point do you say, okay, let's print out a second batch and we're going to put them in a locker. So if any of these show up damaged, we can easily just 
you know, replace it or send it back or, or whatever they do. I, I really don't know what their procedures are, but don't, you know, if you've got an employee there that has the opportunity to grab now, here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out, you know, you know, bad employees. But what I'm saying is, isn't it possible that somebody just walked out the door with a couple one on ones or and then just went to a local show or, you know, sold the card? And I I hear what you're saying. I have to push back on the fact that they preemptively double print everything. I cannot imagine card companies do that now because everything is digital and computerized and you can keep one billion images on a single external hard drive or a single chip, right? I think that every single image is saved. Therefore, I think that certain probably a certain few people in a certain one or maybe two departments at tops or at panini or at fanatics has access to being able to reprint these specific numbered cards and i think even that alone is very dangerous even that alone is very dangerous i think that once a card is printed there should be no way to replace it that's my opinion i think that that is way way too risky um, I think if that if quality, everything was if everything was double printed, we would have known this a long time ago because duplicates would be all over eBay. That's all we'd be flooded with duplicates. Now, I'm not saying that more and more duplicates aren't popping up because it does feel like there are, but it's it, it seems like it's a it's kind of a small problem and not a huge problem. Don't get me wrong; if I owned the Superfractor one of one, I would problem. say it's a huge problem if another one popped up. Could you imagine paying like a hundred k? or 50k or even 10k for a one of one super fractor and then it's like oops yeah, come to I find out someone one. in california or someone in uh beijing yeah has but the i've same sat card. through i'm telling you i've sat through a lot of breaks right and when somebody you know the breaker go puts the card up and says oh this has got a, a dinged corner a terrible print line i'm gonna send you the box with that card and you can contact panini and get a replacement I mean, I hear this. I hear this all the time. And so I don't. I don't doubt that there's a department that can reprint that, but I can't imagine they're reprinting duplicates of everything. I don't think there's just storage units full of reprints. No yeah. way. Because so so when we go, when I go out to the national and I trade in, and they give me these black boxes and these white boxes that these cards are stamped and saying, you know, black box one of one on the back, right? So. Where the, these cards were in a set in 2017 or 2018 or 2019 or 2020, I mean, these cards were printed out. You know, that you can you like, and I've gotten a couple of them where I've gone online and I've looking at, I've looked at that card and I've seen other ones, but on the back of mine, it's stamped black box one of one, where you know. I mean, they, they've got to be reprinting something for these cards to be available and to come out. Yeah, I mean, I think right now when they're printing 2024 sets, I think there's certain sets that they're not releasing to the public because they know in 2028 and 2029, they're going to be handing these very few sets out, these limited sets as like, oops, sorry, because we know we screwed up type thing. I don't know. I mean, I think the more I see, the more I realize like there's just a lot of cards out there. Hmm. There's yeah. just a lot of cards out there. So even when you get something like a nice Patrick Mahomes autograph, there's so many of them out there. There's yeah. so, and Mahomes isn't someone that signs a ton. 
like Kevin Durant, it's you know, so, but tell me about it. I'm still waiting for him to show up at Panini and sign my card. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't imagine. But um, yeah, I think it's uh the you know, the more we see, the more we realize it. And all you have to do is go to a place like the National or go to the Dallas show or Burbank and you just walk the aisles and you see how much is like really, really there. And you can show up with just a, an insane case of cards if you're a dealer. And there's really nothing that like helps you stand out amongst the sea of other dealers. Like, like what, what do you do? Because I know a couple years ago I was setting up a ton setting up a ton but then i started really moving into cards that i didn't want to move anymore i started falling in love with the cards i was getting and you know it's like one of the it's like it's like in um you ever see heat with robert de niro and pacino so yeah. like he so de niro lives by this like thing that's like that's like never get too close to anyone or anything that you won't walk out on in 30 seconds if you feel the heat coming for you around the corner. Mm -hmm. I think I nailed that line too. I think that's exactly how he says it. So, you know, for me, I've gotten too close. I can't walk out. If the heat comes, I can't walk out now because I love these cards that I'm getting. I'm not looking at them as just, yeah. you know, objects that I, I feel no ties to or no emotions to. Um, and sounds, I know you do sounds too. Like, sounds like you become a collector. Sheesh. Well, yeah, but the thing is too, it's like, and then I hear people say, like, oh man, a lot, a lot of dealers, a lot of flippers turned collectors over the last two years when the market went south. And I'm like, for me, that has nothing to do with it. But so I, I digress. Let me go back to my point. What do you do? Cause now you've taken over for me. I was the one that was doing all the setting up. And then all of a sudden you and I were doing all the setting up together and slowly I started to phase out and now you're still doing it. What do you do to make sure you stand out amongst the other sea of dealers at a show? Because you're not doing small shows anymore. You're not doing shows of like 30 tables, 30 dealers. You, and I mean, I know you will, but for the most part, you won't do a show that's anything less than like 200 tables. So what are you doing to stand out? Um, yeah, I like to, I just like to do the bigger shows and it's more because I like to see all the people that I know are going to be there. The smaller shows, I could go walk a smaller show and not have to set up and be there all day. Right. I like to go to the bigger shows. I like to set up at those shows. It's, it, it's a, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't set up since August, right? Here it is. October, November is my, I'm going to be setting up for the first time. So it's been a few months and I can't really honestly answer that question because I don't know what the landscape is going to look like when I get there in November. I know I'm showing up with hockey. This is what I've, this is what, what my plan was. I, I, I made a plan. I stuck to it. I all summer long, all the way up to, you know, the end of August, I was buying hockey, hockey cards. So th this, I'm sticking with my plan. I'm going to go out there. I may not stand out. Maybe I will. You know, maybe I've purchased these cards at such a good price that I'll be able to sell them and make a profit. Maybe the, the market has come down so much that I, I may not. I don't know. I don't know what the landscape is going to look like when I when I when I hit that show. And are in you November. are you still bringing your director's chair to sit in at shows <laughs> when I have the room? I know which ones I can and can't set it up at some of them. Because if you're bringing your director's chair, you'll stand out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're per- you're perched like four feet above your neighbors. <laughs> like you'll stand out. You know, I'm, I'm like the referee at the tennis match. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah, uh, I mean, cousins here. They're saying you can walk most show- shows in a few minutes, and that's right. Like I go to the, you know, we go we go to these small shows in Connecticut. We go, and when we get off, I'm going to talk to you about going to one here in Connecticut on Saturday, right? But these shows, we know we can plan ahead. We know it's not going to take us. It's not going to be an all day event. We can go in and go through that show, and we know pretty much right away. Hold on. Who- what what show are you saying we're going to talk about when we get off? I think the uh, the 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 this i want to say stratford is this not stratford where, oh, where did the trumbull up? show trumbull trumbull oh There's trumbull's a, this weekend trumbull, trumbull connecticut are this weekend yeah you know what trumbull connecticut and, and i did a whole episode on like man this is like participation is required part six because when i i walked into the trumbull show i said you know what i'm going to be in the area like we're literally going to be a town away you know what I, I would like to go to a show let me just go walk it real quick and i was like Maybe I'll bring my stuff. There's not going to be anything there. I've gone there a few times before. There's nothing there that I, that ever caught my eye. Ah, screw it. I'll bring my stuff. Brought my stuff. Ended up walking out with a Babe Ruth Type 1 photo and that I was able to trade partially into. And without bringing my inventory with me to sweeten the deal for him to take some of my stuff that I was you know, okay with moving, um, I probably wouldn't have purchased the Type 1 photo. But he, since he was willing to take my stuff, point being... You never know what's going to happen when you walk into a show. So you're saying you want to maybe go Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think I could probably pull that off. It's only like a 20, 25 minute ride yeah, from my house. Yeah, and it's such fine. a small show. We yeah. could like, we could be there an hour and feel like, okay, it's time to go. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the point. I mean, we could go in and get that all done. It, it doesn't. Here's the thing for me. It doesn't make sense for me to go set up there. And, you know, spend a whole day, spend four or five, six hours set up there because I really don't have a lot of inventory that I want to put out. And I would rather go walk and and do some buying and, and talk to people, you know, shake some hands, kiss some babies, that type of thing. You know, just get out there and, you know, get out there and, you know, see the people, see yeah. the fans. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So this Saturday, possibly we're going to go to the Trumbull, Connecticut show. Then next Friday, you and I are going to take the day off and go to the Shriner show in Massachusetts. Yes. yes. That's going to be a good time. So listen, I feel like it's I feel like it's 2021 again with you and I just like <laughs> driving the show. Road dogs. Road dogs every single week. Just driving, just driving. Man. I tell you, man, like it's it's crazy because I feel like over the last few years because of cards. I've gotten to know you better than I, I feel like I, I know most people in my life now. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's almost like, you know, I think of like the top, top 75 NBA all time list, right? Like it's really hard to crack that top 20. Like when you're talking like top 20, top 10, especially like those, those positions are usually cemented. Like, like Giannis barely crept into the top 20 when they did the listing. I think he's like 18 or 19 and chances are he will not move up anymore. Point being like over the course of my life when I'm like, man, I like I've met a lot of people. I know a lot of people kind of thing. Like you've, because of those car rides and because of cards, like you've kind of crept up that list. Like, man, I know Ken better than I know 
a lot of my family, I feel like. <laughs> you know, I feel the same way. Like, you know, you know so much about, and especially taking a car ride. And this is funny you should mention this because I worked with a girl who who said, you know, she was engaged and she went cross country from East Coast to West Coast, drove out to California and then drove back to somebody and then broke the engagement off when they came back and two, she met somebody else. And two years later, she did the same thing. They drove East Coast to California and all the way back. And then they got married six months later. And she said, I knew after spending all that time with this one person in this car that whether I could marry them or not. And she, they've been married 30 something years and happily married. Well, it really goes, says a lot about, I mean, we're not getting married, you know? Anyway. Yeah. I hate to break it to you, Ken, but, but I'm not getting down on one knee anytime soon. Like how much you get to know somebody when you're in such a close space for a long distance. Right. Yeah. And I can remember, you know, by the end of, you know, probably 2022, it was almost like we were starting to finish our own sentence each other's sentences <laughs> yeah so uh shout out to uh shout out to tony for throwing us the alley-oop on that one for sure so yeah man i think you know right now where i'm at with everything i'm collecting overall um i'm vintage is my one you know vintage is definitely it i mean when I look at all cards and I take monetary value out of everything, right? Like I'm, I'm sitting here right now and I'm looking at, let me see. I'll, I'll take two comparable cards. I'm looking at my LeBron ultimate collection rookie auto, which monetarily is one of my biggest cards. But then I'm looking at the George Mikan rookie that I have. And, and I just feel so much more for the George Mikan. You know, I feel so much more for that. I feel so much more in my heart of hearts for the my Willie Mays rookie. Uh, well, second year Willie Mays, 52 tops. So vintage is right there. And Eli Manning, Eli Manning, uh, definitely. But I had a bit of a um, epiphany when we were recording earlier this week, the Wolfpack episode. So it was it was you. It was me, and it was Tony from Cousins Collectibles. And if you guys haven't checked it out, if you guys don't subscribe, please go follow us wherever, whether if it's on podcast, if it's on YouTube, if it's on Instagram, it's the Wolfpack Network. So basically, um, you know, we we drop an episode of, like, random individuals. Usually Tony and I, Ken was on this last week. Hopefully Ken's going to be joining us for some more. But anyways, we were talking, and I was thinking – I think it might be time to move some of my lower end Eli Manning cards because behind me, you could see these two row slab boxes. I probably can, I probably have four filled boxes of all graded Eli cards. That's off the top of my head. I want to say it's probably 250 to 300. It's a lot of, of Eli. And the thing is a lot of them are just like, it's me hoarding Eli. A lot of them are, you know, maybe some, some base rookies. Or maybe, or you know, I don't know, a copper out of two forty nine, like st stuff like a blue out of ninety nine, you know, uh, PSA graded stuff like that. I, I would move in order to get some of the bigger Eli cards because there are some, you know, I have some pretty nice Eli cards, right? But I'd consider them maybe like Swordfish or Marlin. There are some whales out there. I do not have the whales. Yeah. Okay, I'm talking like Super Fractor one of ones. You know that that go from anywhere from a thousand to twenty k, yeah. 
yeah. depending on who's holding the card, what their ransom is that they're asking and everything. But I'm thinking like <clears throat> if, you know, and I have a lot of different player collectors graded cards. You know, I have a lot of Shaq cards. Last Shaquille O'Neal, I never talk about that. I have a lot of Jeter, never talk about that. A lot of Don Manning, I never talk about that. Like that, I just like, I buy up a lot of their stuff and I just hold it. So I'm thinking like, do I want to start maybe liquidating some of those things and going and, and start to go after the big pieces. And if I do almost keep like separate envelopes in my pocket, like if I move an Eli car, boom, put that $200 in the Eli envelope. If I move a $90 Don Mattingly card, boom, put that in the Mattingly envelope. And then based on those envelopes, you know, when it's time to pull the trigger on one, that's my bankroll for that card kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking like, oh, Rob, you're smiling Rob, over there. What Rob, are you thinking? Rob, I know you before you ever even find an envelope to write anything on it, you're going to buy the big card. And then you're going to say, I got to sell all these two row slabs here just to cover. <laughs> so I know you, but, but that's the way we are in the hobby. We get the idea and then we start looking and then, Oh, it appears. Right. The Holy Grail. I remember, Grail. <laughs> I remember uh, when we left the Laz. So we left two different. No. So we left. Yeah, we left the Laz show. I did like 40K in sales. And I'm like, you know what? We, we get in the car. We get in the car. We haven't even pulled out the parking lot yet. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to really try to take my time and make some wise choices with this card money. And you were like get the hell out of here that money's going to be you're going to be because you were driving you're like you're going to jump on your phone that money's going to be spent by the time we get back to connecticut and i'm like ah you know but when when you have the money and you have like you know i start making these mental notes along the way every time i see a card i like whether if it's a 50 dollars card or a thousand dollar card i start taking these mental screenshots i could i could hear like the click you know, like mental screenshot, click mental yeah. screenshot. And then when the time or the opportunity comes where I feel like, you know what, I can justify making that big purchase. Boom. I start scrolling through all my mental screenshots. And, and that's the beautiful thing about the eBay watch list, right? It's like, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It gets us in trouble though. Right. I know. We go out and we pick things and then they're there. And then we're like, oh, do we bid? Do we don't bid? You know, one of the things that we talked about, uh, we also talked about this on the Wolfpack episode with Tony was, you know, like I was thinking, you know, I, I, I have the Mike Tyson, that purple PMG, like maybe looking into that set. And I've seen a few of these cards come up and, you know, it, the problem is they should, they show up on eBay and even like, uh, you know, the, the, the Rory card that he, it was like it was like seventy eight dollars, and and it and it was a seven day or a six day auction. It never even broke a hundred bucks, right? And then it's an hour before it's up, and it goes straight to one thousand dollars. And then five minutes before it goes right to thirteen, and then you're like, oh, okay, so so I'm done. I mean, all of a sudden the card's selling for over, you know, uh, public auction is selling for over what what it's valued at. So, you know, if we're, if I'm gonna do that it can't be on eBay and it can't be, you know, like, like, you know, uh, favoriting things. I'm going to have to go out and put the legwork in and find this at shows or find these on story sales or people who are seriously want to, you know, move these cards for, for what, what their current prices are. If they're, I mean, sometimes, and we talked about this today earlier. I mean, sometimes people, 
they just don't want to sell the card, even though the card prices come way down. They may just take that card and go put it in, in the closet and say, I'm just going to leave it there until the prices come back up. And if they never come back up, I'm just going to hold on to it. Right. And 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 I understand that I do that myself with, with, with some of my cards, you know. Well, and that's one of my that's one of the best parts about going to shows. Like, I hope regardless of what happens, regardless of what the hobby looks like 10, 15 years from now, I hope that shows continue to thrive. I hope that shows continue to be a, you know, a, a, a resource for collectors, for dealers, for flippers, for sellers, whatever the case, um, because we can sit there and, and throw up our bids on any auction site, right? But it hits different when you're in person, when you're in person and you're dealing with someone. Um, it's just a little different because say, say that person that had that Rory McIlroy PMG purple PMG, uh, 2013 upper deck employee exclusive, say the person that had that sold that on eBay, for all we know that that thing was shilled and for all we know it didn't sell and and the seller is like i just want to sell this thing this is the second time in six months i tried selling this both times it's been shilled or it wasn't paid for let i'm going to bring it to a show you know and then you go to a show and you can really start to feel people out because i think with the conversation from the last couple months around shill bidding and and there were certain personalities in the hobby that got caught shill bidding um that brought up the topic of like if comps are being consistently or even somewhat consistently shilled, even if it's only 1% of the time, which we know it's not, I, I would venture to say that anywhere is between 20 to 40% of these, of every single auction that's out there is shilled, right? So if we know that, if we know shilling is going on and continuing to go on, then why are we holding comps as the be-all, end-all, right? That should be one part of the equation for sure. That can be the starter of the conversation. That could absolutely be the starter because for all we know, that McElroy, that could have sold for 1100 right? Maybe that sold for 1100 but this guy... Uh, say there's another card out there. He could have that card, and he's like, I've been trying to sell this thing. No one's buying it. No one ever offered me $1,100. I would put it up on eBay, but it's a risk. I'm going to see what I can get at a show. And then he comes across someone like you, and it's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll take 800 for it, no problem. Mm -hmm. So it's about so much more than the comps, right? Yeah. It's about how motivated the dealer is or how much they aren't motivated. And if they're high on it, it's mm -hmm. about how motivated you are. You might go pay over the last comp for it because you want it bad enough. Or you might be like, I really don't want it bad enough, but if the price is right, I'll get it. Yeah. So doing the shows is so imperative. Yeah. I may say too, Hey, I got a few of these cards here. You know, maybe you want to do some, you know, cards and cash, you know, trade, trade and cash type of thing too, which, which would get people motivated too. So a lot, I, I mean, I, I say this all the time, a lot of great things happen at shows. I mean, it's so hard to, to, you know, buy online, even if you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram, if you don't know the people, I mean, you don't even know how they're feeling. And sometimes people will say, you know, will message something and, and you're going to accept it how you think in your head is how it comes out, but it may not be any, nothing like 
the person meant it when they said it. So it's difficult, I think, to uh, to to really negotiate properly, you know, unless you're you know, you're in front of somebody at a show and being a buyer too, on the other side of the table too, sometimes when that you get that in your hand, you're like, I don't want to let it go. So if it's going to cost me a little, we're talking about getting a better deal. Right. But you may pay a little more, just say, you know what, now that I've got this in my hand, like on eBay, I'm like, I'm not paying 1100 for that card, but I may be at a show holding the card saying, you know what, I think I will pay 1100 because I really want. So a lot of different things, a lot of different scenarios. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and there's, there's something amazing. There's a rush that you get from negotiating in person, Mm. right? Whereas if I'm negotiating with you through Instagram DMS, this negotiation could take all day. Like literally it could start in the morning and finally we come to the conclusion at nighttime, you know, like people can really, really take their time. That's why if you're going to a show and you're going there to make deals, you better know what you're doing. And I don't just mean how to look up the last comp. Yeah. You yeah. better know the trend of that card that you're buying. You better know that if it's the right time to buy that card or if it's the wrong time to buy that card. Because if it's, you know, if it's August and you're looking to buy, you're looking to buy a Trevor Lawrence card, mm-hmm. you know, going by the last comp, you better understand that yeah. it's very very likely that card's going to fall off a cliff yeah it's probably going to be a jacksonville jaguar fan and saying i just want the card i don't care where the price goes right absolutely but but for most people they're buying to flip it yeah 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 so all right well sounds like we might be going to trumbull connecticut this saturday it sounds like we might be going to the shriner show uh next friday that's up in massachusetts yeah. Sounds like I'm going to be set up with uh, both cousins, Tony and Oz, in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey, November 11th. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you are going to be set up at Foxborough, right? Yeah, I'm setting up at Gillette, and I've, I made some, exec- some executive decisions today. I'm setting up. I'm just going to set up Saturday at Gillette. Um, so I had some, uh, some Mohegan points that I cashed in to reserve a room for Saturday night, that Saturday night. So I'm going to drive up to Gillette. I'm going to do that show. And then I'm going to drive back to Mohegan, stay over there. I'm going to watch the Mohegan show on Sunday. Wow. Yeah. What's it like to be Ken? What's it like to be Big Ken? Because then I'll even maybe be home to watch, you know, by 430 to watch football. So (laughs) get ready. In the words of Tony from Cousins Collectibles, what is ken have to do he's retired what what does he have to do besides watch the prices right every morning (laughs) oh my god man so far from it you can't you come spend the day with me you see how busy you call me and you hear what i'm doing. oh yeah no every i tell you what every time i call you from the car you're in the car yeah we're always we're always in the car you know so yeah yeah, that's it's a beautiful thing um so yeah thank you very much guys for tuning in uh rob sports card therapist ken sports card lessons uh great time as always i'm sure we're gonna uh you know really what we try to do is every two weeks we try to jump on and have a collab episode so regardless if i drop one or two for the week and uh 
chances are we're going to have a collab episode. I know that I'm going to have the roundtables. I pretty much have all the roundtables all set up. I'm just finalizing the guests for all the roundtables. So that'll be coming up. Um, I would imagine probably, probably all December, probably all December. So nice. Nice. And that, a full uh, the uh, round table month of December, a full month of round tables. Yeah. Nice. Looking forward to that, man. Nice. Looking forward and, to that. And, and, and I'm going to steal it from you. I'm going to, I don't know if it's going to be December, but I'm, I'm already planning out a few round tables myself. So let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right, man. Well, everyone, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, appreciate you guys. Uh, those that are watching live, those that have been lighting up the uh, comment box and uh, everyone that's listening through podcasts, I appreciate you. Don't forget, take care of yourself and your collection. Oh, I didn't know if you wanted me to finish that for you. (laughs) And until next time, be good to yourselves and everyone around you. Take care, Rob. Thanks, man.